It's War Week at Revival Tabernacle. Thank you for joining us as we lead youth from all over the country in a week-long experience of missions and service. Highland Park and Detroit, Michigan are being blessed right now by our youth teams with the work of their hearts and their hands. They are cleaning and beautifying parks and streets and stretching a prayer line across the city on Woodward Avenue. Every morning and evening this week, our pastors and guest speakers are challenging them with the Word of God, inviting them to take steps towards spiritual growth, and encouraging them to put their faith into action. Thank you for listening to this special podcast from War Week 2016. Amen. Um, let me just remain standing. Stay standing. Um, can I have that, my, that uh, the music stand? Let me tell you what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a flight plan. And um, at the very end tonight, we're going to pray for Pastor Devin and Courtney tonight. We're going to pray for them. They have worked so hard in all that they've done. And we're, we, I am so excited. I'm so excited for our chief and for our mayor that you have. Let me just tell you this. You have two people that are, that are going to do way better than we have ever done. This this couple, you better watch out. You're going to go like Tim and Cindy, who? That's, who? that's that's who you have here. So Devin and Courtney, Pastor Devin, thank you for all that you guys have done. All right, let me tell you this now. I'm going to, here's what we're going to do. I, there was a song, every time I used to preach the word, we used to sing this old, old song from uh, it was all the way done. It was done by Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant. We used to do this all. And, and Devin and, and Pastor Devin and Duran got so tired of it that they wrote their own song. They just said, they just said, I am tired of doing that old song. And many of you don't know Duran, who leads the band up here. Duran is a world-renowned musician who's wrote, written so many different songs and um, he has been the lead keyboardist for Neo. He brought me in to do chapels for Neo. I mean, just an amazing thing what he's doing up here. But I am so thankful. So he just said, hey, let's stop singing that one song. I'm going to write you a song. So if you have a Bible out, if you're using your iPhone, whatever you're using, get those Bibles out. Hold them up. And this is, this is I don't even know if we have the lyrics. Do we have the lyrics to this? I don't even know. But it's easy enough. Can we sing it together? Okay, we're going to teach it to you. Here we go. And then we're just going to, I'm going to share with you tonight. Here we go. It goes, it is your word. Sing it with us. It is your word that is healing our nations. And yet, it's healing our heart. It stands on its own. It stands on its own. Every knee, but your word will last on its own. Okay, we're going to teach it to you. We're going to teach it to you. It goes, it is your, oh, we got it, we got it. All right. It is your word. Let's sing it. Come on. It is your word that is healing our nations, and yet it's healing our heart. It's healing our heart. Stands on its own. On its own, it stands on its own. Everything will pass, but your word will. Okay, one more time. Let's sing it loud this time. Come on, everybody sing. It is your word. It is your word. We're all going to sing it now. It is your word. It is your word that is healing our nations, and yet your word is healing. your word will last on its own. So Father, we just ask you tonight that you would come and speak to us. Thank you for how you spoke on Tuesday with Pastor Devin, how you spoke on Wednesday with Pastor Todd, and how you spoke last night with Pastor Steve. And God, as we wrap up this amazing week, as we're excited what's going to happen. We're believing that in that offering there was such a generous spirit that our chief will not leave here God, without that sign being paid off, we believe for that tonight. We pray just generosity here. I pray that our mayor would know that we're going to cover him. I pray that Courtney, Pastor, Courtney and Pastor Devin would know that we're going to cover them with prayer. Thank you for that. what you're going to do here, Lord God. Father, I'm so grateful for this city. My heart is in this city and all that you've done here over all of these years. And so we're believing on this final night 
do something very special. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right, before you sit down, hold up your hand, and you got to high-five five people before you sit down. High-five five people, and you may be seated. All right, get Bibles out, get notebooks out, whatever you're taking notes on. I've got just four quick things. We're going to cover an entire book tonight, but I want you to get ready because I'm not going to go long, but I do need to get this to you, so I want, to, I want you to get ready tonight what we're going to deal with. Listen, there is so many things when you're dealing with the Bible that it's so big and so much stuff that you're looking at. It's funny when you think about all the crazy things that people think. I was reading about the Bible. I was reading what this one, these group of seven-year-olds called different people in the Bible and how they viewed the Bible. And with younger children that are only here, I've got a, a nine and a 10-year-old here, but I also have a, a 14 and a 15-year-old. And so we're excited about them. But I was thinking about even all this crazy stuff that happens sometimes with kids. And I was reading all these answers in one of these uh, Sunday school uh, bulletins from kids, and this is what they said. They, this is what they thought. They thought Noah's wife was called Joan of Arc. They also said Moses died before he reached, instead of Canaan, they said before he reached the land of Canada, and, got, and he was on his way for the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, that's poison. Then Joshua led the Hebrews in the battle of Jeritol. Me and the mayor know about Jeritol. The greatest miracle in the Bible is when Joshua told his son to stand still, and he obeyed him. Solomon was, was one of David's sons. He had 300 wives and 700 porcupines instead of concubines. It also said the people that followed Jesus were called the 12 decibels and the epistles the epistles were the wives of the apostles and when Jesus was born the three wise guys from the east arrived and saw Jesus and his manager now let me just tell you something when you're looking at all this craziness as crazy as that is it doesn't even come close to what I have to think has to be one of the most one of the most supernatural but almost insane books of the entire Bible. All jokes aside, people see, and I've talked with them in coffee shops and in offices, people see one book of the Bible as one of the biggest jokes, and it's the book of Jonah. And I want you to get ready to go with me to this whole story of Jonah, and I want to walk you through something, and I'm going to give you a whole overview tonight, because people think this is no funny joke or a story, but literally, this is crazy in the minds of some people. Now, when you think of Jonah, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Absolutely, a whale. Jonah and the... Absolutely. That's the first thing. But here's the first thing I want you to write down. Get this down. When you read the book of Jonah, this book is not, get this down, it's not about a big fish. It really is about a big God. So I want you to write that down. It's not about a big fish. It's about a big God. Do you know of 38, you ready for this? 38 of the 48 verses in the entire book, four chapters, 38 of the 48 verses has the name God or Lord in it, and the word fish is only in three verses. So it's not a book about fish. It's a book about God. It's a book about how God begins to call people like you and like me how God would begin to take me and bring me to a place like this and to be in this incredible city and to see God do some incredible things. Some people, of course, struggle with the whole premise of someone being swallowed by a fish and someone being swallowed by a whale. Let me just say this to you, two things about that. I love what Billy Graham said. He said, I have no problem believing the whale swallowed Jonah. He said, I'd even believe it if Jonah swallowed the whale. He says, because if I believe in Genesis 1-1, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, he says, then everything else is possible with God. He says, that's the thing I need you to understand. Now, think about this for just a second. Here's why I don't struggle with the book of Jonah, because Jesus validated the book. When you look, mark this down, in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 38, Jesus speaks about Jonah and Jonah being in the whale for three days. Jesus said this. Now, if Jesus is lying, then he can't be the son of God. So if Jesus validates the book, then you know it has to be something pretty special or something pretty important, or most of all, it's true. So not only does Christ validate it, but it's so important that we believe, when we believe this book, we're believing what even Christ said about this book. And it's, it's difficult because everybody battles whether this book is legit. One of my favorite stories about this is a little girl was talking to her, 
talking to her science teacher, and they were on oceanography, and they were dealing with fish. And so this Christian girl brought up in her non-Christian school, well, I believe in the Bible, and I believe that there was once a whale that swallowed Jonah. Well, this non-Christian teacher literally just simply said it's, it's physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because even though it's a very large mammal, its throat can't swallow it. So the little girl started, stated that Jonah was swallowed by the whale. Irritated, the teacher reiterated that a whale could not swallow a human. It's physically impossible. So finally, the little girl just simply said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. And the sly teacher said, well, what if Jonah goes to hell? Then she said, well, then you can ask him. And so at that point... <laughs> Okay, back to the mat. You're not supposed to say that to your teachers, but let's continue on. So here's the assignment. Here we go. The assignment Jonah has is this. I'm going to send you to the craziest people on the planet. They are bloodthirsty. They are considered to be the most violent group. It would be like Jesus, if it was in the 40s, it would be saying Jesus saying, no, Jonah, I want you to talk to the people of Nineveh would be like the Nazis. Today, fast forward, it would be like, I'm sending you to talk to ISIS. That's, that's how crazy it would be. So when you're dealing with Nineveh, you're dealing with modern day Iraq. That was where the geography was. And he says, I'm gonna send you to talk to the most difficult people on the planet and I'm going to ask you to begin to share the gospel with them. Well, Jonah really didn't want to go. So God said go. Jonah said no. And the Lord said, oh, so now we've got to do something about this whole situation. Since I said go, you said no. Now we've got to figure out what we're going to do about this. Because I believe one of the people that was so responsible for the beginning of War Week was our morning speaker who used to speak every single year. His name was Winky Prattney. How many remember that name? Winky Prattney used to say this. He says, many say they can't get God's guidance and what they really mean is that they wish God would show them an easier plan. That's what they usually mean. It's not a matter that God's not speaking. Sometimes we just want it to be a little bit easier. So when God is telling Jonah, I'm going to send you to the most difficult people, all of a sudden the story starts with Jonah saying no and now the story begins. Write this down and I'm going to give you four quick points and then we're going to close. Let me just tell you, this is what I want to mention to you tonight. If this is my whole premise, Jonah, get this now, has too many chapters. Write that down. Jonah has too many chapters. Because what I believe is this. If Jonah would have said yes, Jonah should have just been one chapter. But because he said no, he created more drama in his life and more junk that if he just would have said yes to God the first time, you wouldn't have had the three other crazy chapters. So I want to talk to you that when we don't say yes to God, we create a production and drama that it would have just been easier to say yes the very first time. You with me tonight? Okay, stay with me now because I want to just deal with this and, and tell you how important this is. I think three of the four chapters are there because Jonah wouldn't listen. Let me just define sin for you, what disobedience is or sin. Get this down. Sin is thinking I know better than God does. That's what we think it is. We think we know better. We think we, we know better what to do with our money. We know better to do with this relationship. We know better to do with our future. Sin is basically saying, I know what to do better than God does. And what you do is you create more chapters. Jonah, I believe, has too many chapters, and I want to show you what begins to take place. So here's what we're going to do. Within the next 20 minutes, I'm going to take all these chapters I'm going to give you an overview here, and then what we're going to do tonight is we're going to begin to get ready to close, but I want to go through these chapters with you and just give you one quick line. So write down chapter one, write down chapter two, write down chapter three, chapter four, and then let's go ahead and put something over those. Okay, chapter one, mark this down. Serving God is hard, but not living for God is even harder. Write that down. Serving God is difficult. I'm not, I'm not going to deny that. When God says, hey, I don't want, I want you to have sex outside of the covenant of marriage, that's hard. But let me just tell you this. To do it your way, that's even harder. Okay, so stay with me for a few moments. Serving God is, can be difficult, but not serving God 
is even more difficult. Listen to this. 75% of this book is devoted not to the greatest revival. Because you know what happens? When Jonah gets to Nineveh, you ready for this? Chapter 3 says every person got right with God. The Bible even says the animals all of a sudden. Something happened with the animals. But 75% of this book deals with a guy that would be rebellious in God's problem. You ready for this? was not the people that were non-Christians. God's problem was worth the Christian. Let me say that again. God's problem is not, and I could just tell you this today, God's problem is not the people that don't, that don't believe in God. God's problem is many times the people that do believe in God. It's to get us to do the right thing, to get us to be the right, the right way that he wants us to be. Because in this book, here's what's crazy. Everything obeys God. The fish, the whale, plants, worms at the end, everything obeys God except the prophet of God. Everybody obeys him except Jonah. Jonah, he couldn't get the one that was called into the ministry to say yes. He couldn't get the one that was supposed to say yes to say yes. And, there, and all of a sudden, when you begin to realize that when Jonah says no in chapter 1, he begins to get on a boat that begins then to take him in the opposite direction. The Bible says when you read the book of Jonah, he found a boat that was going to take him. You ready for this? Follow this with me now, students, to take him in the opposite direction. Instead of going to Nineveh, he was going to go to Tarshish. Now watch this. So if he is starting here, if he is starting at this point, here's what happens. He gets on a boat. Nineveh is 500 miles this way. Let's pretend this is Nineveh. He gets on a boat to go to Tarshish. You ready for this? which is 2,500 miles on the opposite direction. So here is what was taking place. Remember, serving God can be difficult. I've got to get 500 miles to where God wants me to be. But not serving God is even harder, which takes me 2,500 miles out of the way, which means in order for me to get back to where I'm supposed to be, you ready for this? I've already gone 2,500 miles. I've got to go 2,500 miles back. I'm at 5,000 and then go another 500 to where I was supposed to be. And it would have just been a lot easier if you just would have said yes the very first time. So what... What should have been a 500-mile journey turns into 5,500 miles. What should have been a journey of just waiting, just waiting for the right man, the right woman, waiting for the right situation. You're going to go ahead and do it yourself. I'm putting in. I'm going to Christian mingle. I'm going to do this thing. I, ooh, I know there's a man. Let me just tell you something right now. You may get on that thing and you may be going 5,000 miles in the wrong direction. And here's the part. If you just would have waited, it would have been 500 miles and you could have been in the will of God if you just would have waited. Now listen, maturity Maturity, get this down, comes from obedience, not from age. Maturity comes from obedience. Now, I know many Christians who've been in the church for 30 years who are still as immature as when they first got to church. Because maturity doesn't come because you've been in the church for 30 years. Maturity comes because you have found yourself saying yes to God when you're supposed to. Keep this in mind. Jonah gets on this boat, and while he is on this boat, he causes, in his disobedience, a storm to come. I have a personal feeling is that God always makes those planes shake up in the sky because more people talk to God up there when that plane is going like this than he does when that plane is on the ground. How many have ever been on a plane that all of a sudden you got up there and you're just going, God, I believe in you. God, I want to get saved. God of Jesus, I love you. Whoever you are, just save me. Now listen, here's what's crazy. Jonah gets on this boat and as soon as he does, watch this now, a storm hits because God is trying to get his attention. Just like a plane that's in turbulence. God is trying to speak to him. So here's what's crazy. These sailors would have been just fine if Jonah didn't get on the boat. But soon as they bring, watch this, that relationship 
into their lives, a storm that wasn't supposed to be there ends up coming there, which means there are some storms that God sends your way because it's a trial. And there are some storms you get because you brought the wrong people in your life. What you thought what you thought was gonna be the love boat ended up being the Titanic because you brought the wrong people upon your ship. And when that happens, let me just tell you something. Listen, when the devil wants to mess up your life, he will send people. When God wants to bless your life, he will send you people. You just better know which people are getting on that boat. Because when that person comes on, this is what's amazing. They were losing stuff because the Bible says they are throwing stuff off because Jonah was on it. If you got people in your life and you keep losing stuff, you got the wrong person living in your house. You've got the wrong people. If all of a sudden you're going, why is my TV gone? Why is my stuff gone? How come money is, all of a sudden you may realize I don't have I don't have a boyfriend, I've got Jonah living with me, and if I don't get rid of it, remember, when Jonah was do, what, what Jonah was doing when the boat was going crazy, remember this? When the boat was in a storm, what was Jonah doing? He was sleeping. Should have got a job. And here's Jonah sleeping in the boat. The whole boat is being messed up because Jonah is on there and he's sleeping and everybody else is losing stuff. And there are certain people that if you let in your life, they will give you storms. And that's why it's so important to understand how these people do this. There is a thing, let me finish with this part, only this is number one, we got a little ways to go. There is a thing on the vines that is called sucker shoots. These are not real branches. These are like weeds that grow on the vine that suck away all the nutrients that will literally kill the vine. When a sucker shoot is on there, you've got to remove it or it just takes and never gives. When you get a relationship that sucks the life out, sucks the energy out, sucks the Jesus out, sucks the, the conviction out, sucks all that stuff out and never gives anything back, that's called a sucker shoot or we call them a sucker. And what you've got to do, here's a thought for you, you got to get rid of that sucker if you want to continue to grow and be what you're supposed to be. Look at the person next to you and say, are you a sucker? Tell them that right now. <laughs> Chapter one is this. Living for God is hard. Not living for God, that's harder. Number two, write this down. Here we go. Get those pens out. Chapter two. Thank you so much, Gracie. Give it up for Gracie, my daughter. <laughs> Chapter two. Here it is. Disobedience, write this down, will cheapen your value. Disobedience will cheapen your value. I love this theater. Mayor Yacht remembers what this theater used to be. This used to be the crim pornographic triple X movie theater. When we walked into this place and we're thinking about starting a church here, the movies were running. There was two theaters. That back room where you buy your water and your snacks was a, was, a, was a pornographic theater for lesbians and homosexuals. The heterosexual pornographic movies would happen in here. And then we walked in, and the first person I met when I walked in here was the, was the theater prostitute whose name was Kamuchi. Kamuchi, we used to go around during the movie and turn tricks in this theater for $5. Think about that. $5. Because what sin does is it cheapens your value. $5 you'd sell yourself for. It cheapens you. Let me just tell you something. Because the, good, the end of this story is amazing. Kamuchi was the one who came to me when I walked through the door one day. And she looked at me. She used to call me Father Tim. And she just goes, Father Tim? She says, uh, I want you to pray for me. I'm having a hard day. I said, Kamuchi, come here. Let me pray for you. I was about to pray for her. And she goes, don't touch me. She says, I have no money. I said, what are you talking about? It was right in the back there, right at the doors. She said, I have no money, Pastor Tim. She, I said, what are you talking about? She goes, some of the other pastors in the area charge me in order for them to pray for me. 
In fact, what they do is I give them $20, they pray for me, and then give me a verse that I can bet on the three-digit lottery numbers. So I'll give them $20, they give me John 3.16, I play numbers 316, and then I get a prayer. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. So I went ahead and said, Kamuchi, let me show you something in the Bible. That's not true. I brought it to Matthew chapter 7, and I said, look what this says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. She goes, oh, my goodness. Think about this. This is right here on Woodward Avenue. She goes, that's how you do it. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, the numbers. I never knew what the numbers meant in the Bible. This is America, folks. She goes, I didn't even know. She goes, give me another one. I said, all right, Romans 3.10. So she looks, she goes, for all of sin and fall short of the glory. She goes, this is awesome. Give me another one. I go, uh, Romans 6.23. She goes, for the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life through Christ. She goes, give me another one. I go, uh, Romans 10.9. I was walking her through the Romans road. And so she had no idea what I was doing. If you believe in your heart that God, that Jesus uh, is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. She says, this is what she says. She says, Father Tim, are you saying that if I ask this Jesus to come into my heart, she says, when I die, I'll never have to cry again for st- and cry for what I've done. I'll never have to be ashamed of who I am. There's a place that I'll never have to cry. I brought her to Revelation 21. It says, he'll wipe away every one of your tears. And I remember, I remember, I remember standing up here on a Sunday morning preaching, Mary Yop, and while I was standing up here, in the middle of preaching, we always had to have our security on, because you didn't know who was going to come in and try to disrupt. And I remember Kamuchi walking down that aisle, the, center, the, the, the side aisle right here, and spinning. She goes, look at me. I'm a Christian now. Look at me. And I was going, what in the world? And all the ushers were about to tackle her. I said, hold on, just one second. Let's just see. Before we kill her, let's just see where she's at. So she gets up here, and this is what she said. She goes, I'm a Christian now. Look how long my dress is. The only way she can define Christianity that happened in her heart is she didn't wear a miniskirt. She had a long dress. Not only did Kamuchi get saved, she married a deacon from another church. Ready for this? And before she died of AIDS a few years ago, I got a call. Her and her husband were selling lawnmowers in Detroit. I thought, isn't that interesting? And handing out tracts. She went from selling herself on these streets to now getting saved, marrying a deacon, and selling lawnmowers, and telling people about Jesus. Only God can do that. Because in this theater, in this theater, watch this. In this theater, she's worth $5. But as a child of God, she's priceless. She is worth the Son of God dying for her. If you ever doubt whether you're valuable to God, I have to tell you tonight, if God sent his only son to die for you, that means whatever a person will pay for you, that means that's how valuable you are. And if God would pay his own son's life for you, that means your value skyrocketed. And that woman is not worth $5. Kamuchi is priceless and is never crying again because she's in the presence of Jesus Christ today. Disobedience... Listen to me, disobedience will cheapen your value. When you choose not to obey God, students, when you choose to do your own thing, I want you to get this, because Jonah is about to cheapen himself. So here's what I want you to look at. Look down in, in Jonah chapter, two, chapter 1, verse 17, before we get to chapter 2, it says the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. You ready for this? And he was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. You see that in your Bible? Go to the next verse, which is chapter 2, verse 1. This is what it says. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. Look at me for a second. It wouldn't take me three days to start praying. That's how bad. That's the bad. That's how bad. When they were, th- if they're throwing me off the boat, I'd start praying. As I'm as I'm treading water and I see free willy coming my way, I'd be going like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, send Pastor Devin, send Pastor Aaron, send Pastor Juan, Pastor Steve, send somebody. Just don't let that eat me. He waits. You ready for this, students? He waits three days to pray. That's the condition he was in. Three days to pray. What's up with you? What's wrong? After three days, then Jonah prayed. That's how bad of a condition he's in. And here's what's crazy. 
You really know how rebellious you are until you start praying. You wait until you're in the worst condition before you start praying. I don't want to pray when I'm in trouble. I want to pray when I, because I'm in love with Jesus. That's why I want to start praying. I don't want to pray, God, get me out of this. God, get me out of this. God, get me out of this. I want to pray because I'm in love with God. And that's why this is what's amazing. How does, how does disobedience cheapen you? You ready for this? In chapter 1, Jonah's treated like dangerous cargo, and they throw him overboard. And in chapter 2, he's treated like indigestion, and he's thrown up on the beach. That's how disobedience tre treats you. In God's eyes, he was called to be a prophet. But when he's living away from God, now he's bad cargo. Throw him off the boat. When you're out of God's will, we gotta, the, the fish goes, I don't even want you in my stomach. I need you out. So he's indigestion and bad cargo when in essence, he is a prophet of God. Kamuchi wasn't a prostitute. She was created to be a woman of God. And the same thing with you. When you begin to live life on your terms, you cheapen your value. You find yourself in chapter one, going 5,000 miles the wrong direction when you're supposed to be going this way. In chapter two, you find yourself, you find yourself cheapening yourself because you're beginning to settle for something less than the will of God. Chapter three, two more chapters and we're done. Let me just say this to you. Chapter three, write this down. So chapter one is living for God, it could be difficult, but not living for God is even harder. Chapter two, disobedience cheapens my value. And ch chapter three, you ready for this? The same command is waiting for Jonah when he's thrown up on the beach. The same command is waiting for him, nothing new. The same thing is waiting for him. We were driving from downtown Detroit yesterday and with my children and we were showing them all the nostalgic places that things that meant so much to me. 30 years I've been here, students, 30 years. And what's crazy is this, is I remember pointing to them the spot that I made a commitment to Jesus. And the commitment I made to Jesus was, God spoke to me at a camp just like this and said, I want you to commit your, your teens to the Lord. I'm not telling anybody else to do this, I'm just telling you what happened to me. I was at a camp just like this and God said, I want you to commit your teens. I don't want you to date a girl. I don't want you to tell a girl that you love them. I don't want you to go with anybody until I begin to do something in your heart. And I was just a young Christian. I was 13 years old and God says, I want the next seven years of your life. I don't want you to go on a date, go to prom. And I was going like, all right. I mean, it was a camp like this. I was going like, okay, Jesus, yes, Jesus. I didn't even have a girlfriend. That's why I said, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. So it was, just, it was easy to say, yes, Jesus. So. But I'm gonna tell you, there was some difficult moments. When I told my parents, I came home from camp going like, I'm not dating, they go, and it was so funny. My own family's going like, what about the prom? What's wrong with you? There's the prom. And so I was just going, okay, let, we'll deal with that when it comes. But I, God got me through. And right down at Woodward, where 94 crosses over, I was 19 years old. My birthday was on December 22nd. I'll never forget, December 21st. I was already thinking, I'm about to turn 20 years old and I'm about to date somebody. somebody and I had three girls in mind. I said, I'm gonna date them, I'm gonna kiss them, and we're going on a date tonight because this thing is done. I am finished. I kept my commitment, now some girls getting kissed. So I just sat there and thought, this is gonna be awesome. And right at that street, I told my son yesterday, I said, right there, at 94 in Woodward, I felt this voice say, now I want your 20s. I want 10 more years of your life. I said, I bind you, Satan. There is no way that this is from God. 10 more years of my life, are you out of your mind? Excuse me, God, but are you out of your mind? 10 more years, that's insane. He says, for your teens, I wanted to protect your purity. He says, but for your 20s, I wanna prepare you for ministry. And the greatest joy of my life was as I didn't get married till I was 33 years old. You saw how hot my wife is. At 33 years old, I'm gonna tell you this, 33 years old, God kept me. And I'll never forget watching my wife walk down the aisle right here and, and begin, it was at another church, but all these people that were here saw this 33 years. And with joy, I don't apologize for this. Let me just tell you something. I thank God I waited 33 years and a virgin on the day that I got married. It was worth every moment. And let me just tell you something. Thank God. 
This is why I love, let me tell you why I love Facebook. Because I see all the people I could have married and said, thank God I didn't marry them. Oh my, anybody ever see that? You look on Facebook going like, thank you Jesus. Oh my goodness. But let me just tell you something how difficult it was. This is how difficult it was. Around 27 years old, I was done. I was, I was pastoring this church. I'm a single pastor. Everybody went home to be with their wife except me. I'm going home and just, just going home. I had nobody. So I just finally said, God, it's time. I can't be a pastor mayor. I can't be a pastor chief and not have a wife. So I go, I'm going to find a wife. I'm finding somebody. It was on, it was on um, right by the old Tiger Stadium. I was driving, and I'm saying, God, give me somebody. I had this old beat-up three-speed Honda Civic. Honda Civic, three-speed. So you don't even make those things anymore. So I three-speed, beat-up car, trying to pastor this church, single guy, needing a date, haven't kissed a girl like forever, like except my mom. And so I'm sitting there going like, God, I need a wife. I need a wife. I'm a pastor. I need to get some. And I'll never forget this brand new Jeep Cherokee pulling in front of me with a Jesus sticker on, flowing blonde hair. And I said, thank you, Jesus. This is it. This is finally the woman I've been praying for. And it's perfect. I got a beat up car. They got a new car. We'll get rid of my car. The Jesus sticker is already on it. We're going to go places for Jesus. We'll be driving the Jeep Cherokee, bumping down the road on Woodward Avenue going, we're going to Revival Town. But the problem was, I couldn't, I'm trying to think, I'm a pastor, how am I going to meet my wife if she's driving this? Because I prayed for a, a girl with blonde hair. So I'm sitting there going, and a Jesus sticker? This has to be God. So I'm thinking to myself, how can I meet my wife? All these demonic cars were blocking me from me meeting my wife and I'm trying to get through and that demon traffic stopping me every single way and I'm praying, God, how am I going to do this? So I'm thinking, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put on Christian music. I'm going to roll down the windows, pull up to them, how you doing? And we're going to get married and we're going to serve Jesus and drive the Jeep Cherokee. So I'm thinking to myself, how is this going to work? Because these cars won't get out of the way. And somehow right at Grand River, God provided. All these cars moved out of the way, rolled the window down, turned up the music, pulled right up. And all of a sudden when I looked and saw the flowing blonde hair, and when I saw the beard and the mustache, I knew at that point this wasn't the person for me. I just said, praise the Lord. I said, God, I wanted a wife with blonde hair, but no facial hair. I want no facial hair whatsoever. And here's what's crazy. After I passed up the Jeep Cherokee and passed up that man in there to wait for my wife, who is way more good looking than the man with the Jeep Cherokee, let me just tell you this. Here's what's crazy. When after all that nonsense was done, the same command was waiting for me. You still got three more years. And let me just tell you something. I was going to wait three more years, and I thank God that I waited. Because here's what happens. When you want to do things your way, by the time you come back to God, the same command is waiting for you. Not new stuff. When Jonah got spit out of the whale, guess what God said to him? You're going back to Nineveh. If you just would have did it in chapter 1, you wouldn't have wasted all this time in chapter 2 and chapter 3. The same command. If you stop chasing around men with beards in Jeep Cherokees and just waited for me, I'm just going to bring a hot wife into your life that loves Jesus. But no, you got to find a way to go ahead and pick up a man. And you got to begin to realize that that's not God's intent. And when it was all said and done, I still had to wait three years before I met my wife. So it's so much easier. Do what God wants you to do now. Listen. God is the God of second chances, but he doesn't change his command. God didn't even give him a ride to Nineveh in the whale. And that's why what God is asking, when he delivers you from something, he's delivering you to do what you're intended to do, to do what you're supposed to do. That's what God had. That's why Jonah has too many chapters. Let me finish with this and we close. Duran, come to the keyboard and play point four music. So here we go. We're done. Chapter one. Serving God can be difficult. Pastor Dev and Pastor Steve, Pastor Todd will begin to give us challenges from the word that we're going like, oh God, this is going to be so hard. And sometimes it is. But 
not serving God is, too, is so hard. Because what happens is when you don't serve God, you find yourself 5,000 miles out of the way instead of just taking the 500-mile journey. Yeah, 500 miles can be tough. Yeah, here's my teens. Here's my 20s, God. Yeah, here's a week in Highland Park to serve you. Here's a week. God, that's, it could be hard. Everybody else is, is on vacation. Everybody else is doing this stuff. God, I know it's hard, but okay, I'm, I'm, I'm saying yes. But to go your own way, to find yourself going in another direction, you find yourself going the wrong way, and all of a sudden you find yourself 5,000 miles outside of, the, outside of the will of God, and now instead of just going 500, you got to go 5,500. Disobedience, when you're disobedient, God just cheapens your value. Kamuchi wasn't worth $5. Kamuchi was worth the Son of God dying for her on a cross. You're worth way more. But when we don't live for God, we cheapen our value. So Jonah, all of a sudden, is not a prophet. He's bad cargo and indigestion now. Number three is the same command was waiting for him. He didn't come out of the whale, and the whale didn't even take him to Nineveh. He didn't come out of the whale going like, okay, what's the new assignment? God goes, it's the same thing. Go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. The whale's not going to take you there. Just go what you do. When I deliver you, it's so you can do what you're intended to do. It's not a new assignment. It's still Nineveh. It's still be a pastor, still be a preacher, still be, still be an actor in Hollywood, but be a Christian actor, being used by God to be a witness there. Whatever it is, whatever God's called you to be. I look here and I look at some amazing people that are sitting here and friends that are sitting here. I look at someone like Yvette Robinson and I think to myself, God called her to politics. God called her to work in this city. That's what God's called her to do. And anytime you take a wrong direction, it's always going to come back to you. You're to be a Christian witness and be in politics. And now God has you working with this mayor as he did before. That's what God did. But when you take the wrong direction, you find yourself, oh my goodness, I just would have listened in the first place. And the same command's waiting for you. The same thing is waiting for you. Nothing changed. And finally, let's just speak to this. This is what makes this book crazy, students. Because I would have ended the book of Jonah in chapter 3. Because when Jonah gets to Nineveh, he preaches the gospel. The entire city comes to Jesus, a revival. It's amazing. It's considered to be one of the greatest revivals in all of history. The entire city. Oh, it's like all of ISIS getting saved. All of the Nazis getting saved. All of the worst people you can imagine getting saved. Read Jonah chapter 3. It's amazing. And instead of it ending there, it would have ended, it should have ended with, Duran, come to the piano. Let's lead everybody. That's the way it should have ended. But it didn't even end that way. They had to throw in one more chapter to show you how human Jonah is. And here's the final thing. Chapter four is this. God's will, write this down, God's will can be an emotional roller coaster. God's will can be an emotional roller Do you know what happens in chapter four? This is what's crazy. Because in chapter four, this is what it says. In verse one, he's angry. Verse three, he's suicidal. Verse six, He's suicidal again. And in one of the other verses, he's happy. And you're going like, but he's in the will of God. He just did God. But sometimes, listen to me, students. Just because you wake up and you're not happy doesn't mean you're out that God doesn't love you. Just because you wake up one day and you're just going like, oh, my goodness, I'm so ticked off. God, God's not going like, oh, then you're not saved. No, no, no. Jonah was in the will of God, but the emotional roller coaster. Because happiness is not the indication that you're doing God's will. You know what it is? It's the peace of God that lets you know that I'm in the place that I'm supposed to be. Can I just tell you something? Mary Yop knows this. It's hard sometimes. Chief knows this. It's hard sometimes what you do. Man, I've been here at this church 20 years, and sometimes I've looked at Cindy and said, just let Hawaii call. I'm out of here. Just, I'm gone. Because sometimes we think to ourselves, if we're not happy, then this must not be the will of God. Sometimes you can be in the will of God and be ticked. Sometimes you can be in the will of God and be sad. Because above it all, whether I'm happy, sad, depressed, if I have the peace of God, then I'm in the right place. And that's what God wants. 
God wants us to have the right place, the right, the right peace inside of us. Here's what it says. Write this verse down, Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And that peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. Listen to this, students, and this is where we're done. How many chapters have you added to your life that shouldn't even be there? How many, how many chapters? How many? How many thousands of miles have you gone out because you wouldn't listen the first time? How many chapters have you added? And I just want to come to a place to go, God, in 2016, no more extra chapters. I just want to say yes every single time. No more chapters, God. No more extra chapters. Whether you're visiting with us tonight, whether you're a student here at Warwick, I don't want there to be any extra chapters. We are... Uh, I don't know what it is today, but with, with, with technology, I, just, I don't know what it is. I don't memorize phone numbers anymore. I just kind of, you just, you just hit, look the person up and hit it. We used to memorize numbers, and I don't even know how to get to places. And so when I got back to Detroit this week, man, I just lost my sense of direction. Thank God for GPS. Thank God for GPS. Let me tell you what I've done with my GPS. I got so, so just irritated with Siri's voice that I put on this Indian European woman, is what I did. She's got the coolest voice, so I have this thing, this voice. So here's what happened when I was coming to the church the other day, I'm staying out of the house, and I took the wrong turn and was heading towards Lansing instead of heading towards, on 696, Detroit, Port Huron. And the next exit is Orchard Lake, which I was gonna have to go five miles out of my way, come back, I felt like Jonah. I'm going five miles down there and coming five miles. And here's what's crazy. When I was doing this, I loved the GPS. Because never once did it go, it always would go like, turn right at the next light. I'm going, oh, you're so sweet, thank you. And then you just keep going. And there are times that I, I've gone, I went by it, and she goes, turn around when able. Turn around when able. And then all of a sudden, I turned the wrong way. And this is what I love about GPS. She didn't sit there and go, are you dumb? I just told you to turn at this point, but you must, you must have a mental issue because I said do this, but you want to do your own thing. Well, let's see if you can get to Highland Park all by yourself because I'm not doing it. I thought you were an Indian. Mm -mm. Not when you go the wrong way. When you go the wrong way, I don't know who you are, but I'm going to turn me off. Boop. Can you imagine if that's what your GPS did? All ticked off. Can you imagine if my, little, if my little Indian girl got ticked off at me for turning the wrong way? She just kept saying, turn around when possible. Turn around when possible. Turn around. And I'm going, you are so nice. I'm messing this whole trip up. And you are so nice. Everyone's yelling at me in the car, but not you. God, ble God bless you. You're so fantastic. And here's what's amazing. Can I just tell you something? God is so kind. He is not looking at you going like, you're so dumb. I told you don't do this a hundred times. I think God's sweet voice is speaking to us, turn around when possible. And tonight, you get to turn around when possible. And tonight's the night and you go, no more extra chapters. I'm gonna be what God wants me to be. Let's all stand together, come on. Just bow your head for a second and we're done. How many chapters have been added because you wouldn't quit, stop, listen, let go, spend, you wouldn't apologize, you wouldn't admit, you wouldn't humble yourself, you wouldn't simply say I need help, you wouldn't come clean. How many extra chapters came? Jonah has too many chapters, if Jonah just would have said yes, if he just would have said yes, it would have been a one chapter book, but he just couldn't say it. 5,500 miles out of the way, messing up other people's lives, causing havoc wherever he lived in that moment on that ship, causing them to lose stuff and messing up, setting storms they didn't even deserve, cheapening his value. You're a prophet, but you're acting like indigestion and bad cargo. And Jonah, when it's all said and done, you're going to get the same command anyway. It's going to be to go to Nineveh and do what you're supposed to do in the very beginning. 
And sometimes, Joni, it's just to be real, sometimes it's going to be an emotional roller coaster. But the peace of God is upon you. No more extra chapters. No more extra chapters for you students. No more extra chapters for you leaders. No more extra chapters for you that are visiting with us tonight. This is a night that we say, God, we say yes the first time. We say yes in chapter one. So there's not a two, three, and four. And for some of us that are here, we know what that's like. Because for some of us, because we said no, it's cost us two, three, four, five years. Some of you a decade. But tonight, God's sweet spirit whispers to you, turn around when possible. Let this be the night. That I want you to know if you're here tonight, student, if you're here tonight visiting, you're just going, Pastor Tim, I've added some chapters, but tonight, it stops tonight. No more extra chapters. No more extra chapters. Tonight, I'm just simply gonna go, God, when I leave this place, I'm not going back to more extra chapters, but tonight, it stops. And tonight, I'm supposed to do what God wants me to do. And I'm saying yes the first time. I'm saying yes not only in Highland Park. I'm saying yes wherever city I've come from. I'm saying yes now. Saying yes to the right people. Saying yes to the right situation. Saying yes to the things of God. And if you're here tonight and you just simply go, Pastor Tim, I've got too many extra chapters. But tonight, it stops tonight. This is the GPS night. I turn around tonight. And if you're here in this place and say, Pastor Tim... I'm done with extra chapters. Tonight is the night that it stops. I don't care where you are. I don't care how old you are. If you're here tonight and say, just pray for me. I don't want to add any more extra chapters in 2016. But tonight, when I leave this place, I want to stay right in the chapter that I'm supposed to be at. No more extra chapters. If that's you tonight, hey, can I just tell you this? I don't care if you're on stage. I don't, I don't care if you're, if you're up here. I don't need, listen, let's pretend I love Eli, but let's pretend it's Eli. We'll sing without a drummer. I don't need you up there. I just, want, I just want you to be in God's will. I don't care if it's one of our musicians or singers. I don't care who it is. We're going to pray for you tonight. And if you're here, let's close with praying for you. If you're here tonight and say, Pastor Tim, I've got some extra chapters, but tonight it stops. If that's you, get out of your seat and get up here as fast as you can. Hurry up. As fast as you can. I don't care how old you are. Get up here as fast as you can and stand with me. We're going to pray for you tonight. I don't care if you're visiting. I don't care if you're part of War Week. This is a night that we say no more chapters. We're going to begin to go ahead and say, God, this night, this night it changes for me. Wherever you're at, just come. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to do something very special tonight wherever you're at. Come on. If that's you, get up here as fast as you can, and we're going to begin to pray for you tonight. We want you to leave this place to go, you know what, God? I say yes the first time. I don't need a two, three, and four. I'm going to say yes the first time. Come on, let's all of us just lift our hands. Lisa, lead us now. Let's just sing this together as we get ready to close tonight. Come on, on this final night of War Week. Let's sing this together. Thank you for listening to this War Week 2016 message. We invite you to check out the rest of the podcast from this event and be encouraged by God's Word.